Hey guys, Cade Wilcox here, host of the Primitive Podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Kendra Burris. Kendra's the Deputy Chancellor of Texas Tech. Enjoyed having her on the podcast and listening to her insights about leadership and her work background. At the Plasant Center, I did have a very tight-knit team. So you get very invested. You know their kids. You know what troubles they're having when their husband passes and when they have grandbabies. And so when you have to have hard conversations when their performance isn't there. I remember having this thought process when I was working out one morning of, okay, so do I start putting up a wall? Am I not being professional? Do I know too much about them? Am I too invested with them as people that when it's this hard to have uncomfortable conversations, what am I doing wrong? What can I do to change this? And I finally decided, you know what? That's who I am. I'm still going to their kids' weddings. I'm still going to go up to the hospital when they have babies. I'm still going to be there in their personal life because that's who I am as a person and just lean into how that makes the uncomfortable part of it when you have to have those conversations. Kendra, thanks so much for joining the Primitive Podcast. Really appreciate you uh, being on. So for those who don't know who Kendra Burris is, tell us about your background and the work you do now and all that good stuff. Um, Thanks for having me, Cade. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I grew up locally. I'm from Idaloo. The Wildcats. The Wildcats. (laughs) Uh, Grew up on the farm there, have a pretty large um, family. And um, then I went to tech, ag economics major. So kind of thought I'd always be in the agricultural world, and okay. I guess you always are. Anything sure. you do around here, you're going to be agricultural-based, yeah. um, but um, kind of who I am, and that's my backbone. So i um, been married 23 years um, to my husband, Scott, and two girls, both in college right now, so cool. we're empty nesting, a senior at the University of Arkansas and a freshman at the University wow. of Arkansas. So uh, they did not uh, stay and go to tech. Stay, <laughs> yeah, they stay they wanted to did get Scott away. Did Scott go to tech as well? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, Scott went to tech. I mean, everybody in my family's gone to tech. Yeah. So, um, and and we love it. And obviously, it's who we are. Right. We bleed red and black. But I, it might have been a little different because my husband's a professor at tech. My okay. mom works at tech. Um, you know, I have. A, good role at tech and so the fact that we can call professors and check grades no they have come to realize though when you're in trouble it's nice to have your yeah, mom like when, right so <laughs> that's great has it been hard being an empty nester you know it was really hard your first child to leave um and then you realize how you know each stage of your kids lives it's so cool like baby toddler junior high, high school, the hard parts, but it's, and the college years are so fun because that's when you're meeting your lifelong friends and experiencing all this new stuff. So to watch my older daughter go through that and share that with her, it makes it a lot easier for your second one to go away. And it was hard. It's quiet when they first leave. Mm -hmm. Um, But after a couple of weeks, it's real great. Yeah, it's great. That's <laughs> yeah, good to hear. when she came home for Christmas, I was like, okay, yeah. when do we go back? <laughs> we have a 10 and 8 year old, and like Lacey and I, my wife, we're always talking like Lacey's convinced, you know, if they go to college, I'm like, skip college, start a business, mm-hmm, grow mm-hmm, your wealth, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, skip mm-hmm. the whole college thing. But Lacey's like, wherever they go to college, I'm, I'm going to have an apartment <laughs> and I'm going to be in their hair all the time. And I'm like, nope, we're not. We're going to travel the country yep. and uh, let them go grow up. Yep. <laughs> so, it's fun. It's an awesome time to cool. watch them. So have how, how long have you been at Tech and have you always been at 
Yeah. So um, when my husband and I moved to Missouri to uh, for him to get his PhD and got a job on faculty back here, and I started actually at Covenant Health System at their okay. foundation, and worked there for a few years, and then I've went moved to tech, and I've been at tech I think like twelve years now. Um, started as a development officer in fundraising, and um, moved over to the Health Science Center, and did fundraising there for school medicine, and kind of worked my way up. Eventually at the Health Science Center. Um, ran the fundraising for all of our campuses. We have five campuses across the whole half of the state. Um, and then eventually vice president of external relations. So communications, marketing, governmental relations, alumni, fundraising, um, and that operation. And then now I'm in the chancellor's office at the system level. So. Okay. So what is your role uh, now? So that's such a good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my title's deputy chancellor, and it's up to anyone else to define what that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, it's really just to make sure that um, what, you know, as a chancellor, Dr. Mitchell, um, what his vision is and how he wants things to run, just to make sure that all of that happens and happens in the manner in which that's he awesome. would want it to do. So it's, yeah, I just... I'm so lucky and blessed every day. Yeah. It's a great job. He was on our podcast some months ago, and it was awesome. Yeah, he I mean, was I good. was like, it could have been a two-hour episode if it mm-hmm. were up to me. It was really fun. Just so down to earth, but what a great, great leader. Easy to talk to and such a great leader. So um, I have many, many of those in my life, but um, he's definitely one that, that's cool. um, to learn from and work really, really different, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think part of um, Daily Fuller's also in our office, and we all are very, very different, cool. and, but complement yeah. um, in the work environment. That's great. So so my question for you about leadership, you can answer it however you want. Okay. So you can answer it like how you see your role as a leader. But I would love to hear, so I want to hear you, I want to hear you talk about your role as a leader, but I also want to hear, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. kind of what you've learned being around so many great leaders, leaders that you've raised money from, leaders uh, like uh, 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 Chancellor Mitchell, um, you know, Board of Regents, like all these, you're surrounded I by am. great leaders. And so I'd love just kind of hear Almost what you like think leadership is. Too hard to take in, yeah. like, because I get to experience so many amazing leaders and honestly, some that aren't that great. Hmm. Um, not currently, sure. <laughs> but um, in my, you know, so learning from both, uh, that's, you know, I want to learn how to do that, or I want to not do that. That's right. not how I want to be perceived. So um, I think personally, how I see my personal leadership um, is, A, if you're not working it on, on it every day, then you're not a leader. Mm. Uh, B, it changes. I think your leadership and how you lead can change from meeting to meeting um, of what role you're in, and you have to know to be flexible and adjust. You know, some meetings I'm there, you know, to make sure something gets done, and it may not be the, you know, what people like to hear or want to hear, um, where in the very next meeting it's just to listen and just to be supportive. Um, So currently, you know, the system, the Texas Tech system has four universities with, Obviously, our undergrad, Texas Tech, um, the Health Science Center. We have Health Science Center in El Paso and then Angelo State, San Angelo. And I'm sure Dr. Mitchell covered this on mm-hmm. his podcast, so I don't want to reha- um, recash all of that. But, you know, we are not a system and we are not there if our students aren't um, being successful and we don't get our students in and our faculty. So he's really been um, the servant leadership mode and we've been working about with that a lot at work on the difference 
um, of a servant leadership mentality when we're talking about our universities and our students and our faculty. And so that's personally what uh, I'm working on right now um, every day. So, yeah, that, you know, equipping others to be successful. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like y'all's role is right. to equip the students, the faculty, you know, the, the department chairs, the people at each of those institutions. It makes a lot of sense. You mentioned, uh, you know, observing bad leadership throughout the years mm-hmm. as well. What, what are a few things that stick out to you that you just kind of remember going, you know, that's not good for people or that's not the way it should be done? Or like, do you, do you have anything that sticks out in your mind? Well, I think it's, you know, it's hard in the fact, I think I've come to a job or a situation where things don't usually get to me unless it's a problem and can't be solved. Mm. And so making those decisions. So, you know, in fact, last week I went into Dr. Mitchell's office and I said, I don't feel like I'm solving problems. I, I like to someone bring something, I fix it. I go to him. It's like, okay, X, Y, and Z happened. And this is what I did. This is what is the future. And I feel like I'm coming to you with more problems not being solved. And, <clears throat> but that's kind of the nature of where we are right now is there's hard problems. And I want to be kind and I want to treat people with respect, but in a lot of situations, I'm there to give news or to have conversations that aren't comfortable, mm. you know? So it's a really difficult balance. And so I've watched, um, you know, we just, Chairman Huckabee, Chris Huckabee is our last board chairman that just rotated off um, as board chairman and actually rotating off as a board of regent as soon as the governor reappoints regents. But, um Man, he's good at those. He's really good at having those conversations and being clear and sincere and quick. And it's like you get yourself worked up, and then it's really actually mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. So, what, what, so this interesting perspective. So I can imagine an organization that's the size of a Texas Tech system, you know, it's working with and in government. So that is a whole different level and flavor of, of challenge maybe. So do you find it difficult, and you mentioned your desire to solve problems, do you find it difficult to, to balance kind of the, the human side of leadership with just like getting things done and the effectiveness side of leadership? Very much so. Yeah. And how have you, how have you tried to grow in that and wrestle with it and balance the, the, the human and the, the practical, if you will? You know, so we do a lot of um, leadership growth. I do it personally, and then <clears throat> Dr. Mitchell also does that as a leader of our office. And um, <clears throat> so two things. I think that uh, probably we listen to a lot. We've been on Patrick Lachoni a lot yeah, lately. That's good. Um, but probably the most uh, influential as far as tangible things I've put in practice in my leadership and in my work role is a lot from what Brene Brown did on Dare to Lead. Mm. <clears throat> I think um, I had so many aha moments listening and reading that book. Um when it comes to like uh, when she talks about to not have an uncomfortable conversation because you're uncomfortable is the definition of privilege. Hmm. Like you being uncomfortable is not part of this decision or this conversation. Like why are we even considering it? And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, that's such an entitled thought process that I'm going to change something just because of me being uncomfortable. So there's a lot of that that I – um, try to um, 
try to balance. You know, I, years ago, I don't know, it's probably been five years ago maybe, I had my own kind of aha moment of I was having a really hard – I get very um, invested in my people. And so at the Health Science Center, which was kind of different here, I had at the system, it's a much larger group, don't have really any direct reports, but kind of everybody, I'm mm-hmm. trying to make sure everybody's doing well. Um, at the Health Science Center, I did have a very tight-knit group team. And so you get very invested. You know they're kids. You know what troubles they're having when their husband passes and when they have grandbabies. And so when then you have to have hard conversations when their performance isn't there. Mm. And I remember having this thought process when I was working out one morning of, okay, so do I start putting up a wall? Like, do you start, like, am I not being professional? Do I know too much about them? Do I, am I too invested with them as people that when it's this hard to have uncomfortable conversations, then am, what am I doing wrong? What can I do to change this? And I finally decided, you know what, that's not who, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to still have people over to stay at my house when they're in town visiting and they are employees. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like sure. I'm still going to their kids' weddings. I'm still going to go up to the hospital when they have babies. I'm still going to be there in their personal life because that's who I am as a person and just lean into how that makes the uncomfortable part of it when you have to have those conversations. Yeah, that's good. Uh, one of my favorite things uh, Brene Brown's ever said is clear as kind. So our chief of staff, Annie kind. here, mm-hmm. it's like clear as kind, clear mm-hmm. as kind. And uh, that's that. Yeah, we've been really influenced. She, by t- she her changed. Stuff too. The, yeah. So it's that's what's so interesting about her book, because even like all of Tony's books, like even all these other books you read, you get philosophically what they're doing. That book, more than any that I've read, we actually put into place practices mm-hmm. from it on a daily basis. She changes how we talk in meetings and staff meetings, like ready to rumble and, you know, clear as kind. And it just, I don't know. It was fascinating. We had two people from her team actually come out and do a whole workshop with oh, us. Cool. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of, um, anyway. That yeah, was, it's been good. Yeah, yeah, really powerful. How do you, uh, how do you treat failure? Like w- when y'all are working as a team and as an organization and something doesn't go the way it needs to or is supposed to? Like, what's your approach to failure? I hate it, and I'm not good at I could, it. I, I, could, I could gather that that is probably very true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, failure is not something that I do well with. I think acknowledging that you don't know why it's happening right now, but you will in three to six months. Like, if you look back in all of what I consider – major failures or things didn't happen the way I thought they should happen. Usually within six months, you're like, oh, that's why. Okay, this is why this didn't work the way it was supposed to. Um, I have had to work on myself far as when you get something in your mind, this is how it's going to work, this is what it's going to do, to be flexible and maybe winning, as I would say, just looks different. And um, I think that I've gotten better at that have been able to be a little more flexible and a little more um, nimble when it comes to my thought process and defining what I think success looks like maybe a little different in the end not being flexible at an organization of y'all size I know. probably <laughs> creates a lot of challenges for you doesn't it I know. <laughs> 
Have you ever done uh, Clifton Strength Finders or anything like that? So we just did. I've done a lot of them, and I don't remember everything that I am on the colors or the strings mm-hmm. or Myers Briggs. They're all so different. Yeah. yeah. So we just did. Actually, Patrick Lencioni came out most recently with um, six working geniuses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so our whole um, team, vice chancellors, um, the presidents are cool. doing it with Dr. Mitchell next week, um, and tenacity and um, galvanizing okay. are my two strengths. We're really big on Clifton Strength Finders, okay. and I I would almost bet a hundred bucks uh, <laughs> that you have competition in your top five. You probably so. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, how do you approach your own personal growth? You know, you're responsible for supporting and equipping a lot of others, um, you know, serving uh, all your department chairs and all the people in your organization. So how do you intentionally focus on your growth so that you're capable and prepared to support your, your team? Right. I do think if much like being a mom, a wife, a leader, anything, if you're not working on yourself on a daily basis, then you can't do that and provide for others. So you know, I'm a huge podcast person, much like you. I know you run and work out. I can't believe you ran this morning. Um, I like to run when it's cold. This morning was a little too much, Kate. I tell you what, I got back and I told Lacey, I feel like I'm like uh, freezer burned. I can't imagine. Like I've ran in the snow. I've ran like the last time it was really cold. We went out to uh, May Simmons and ran on the trails and it was beautiful. But eh, this morning it was we, chilly. Yeah. And I was <laughs> layered up and yeah. my uh, eight year old, I got in and my beard was like completely like frozen uh-huh. and he, he was pretty <laughs> enamored with that. So. But working out for me and moving is a key. Like uh, my Sherry, who uh, was my assistant in the health science center, kind of like my right-hand person, she used to tell me when I walked in if I had worked out. She said, it's crazy. She's like, your demeanor when you walk in, your body language, how you walk is completely different on the days you work out and the days you don't. And I thought that was such an interesting perspective from her part. Um, So I do try very hard in the mornings to get up and move and to work out. It clears my head and it helps me think and be the best that I can be. Um, I right now I don't. I'm into um, listening to Eric Thomas. I don't know if you've listened to Eric Thomas. He he's awesome. He's pretty intense, but he's really great. So, and is that a podcast? It's a it's a podcast, and he also had his podcasts are kind of long. So he also has like short clips on Spotify, like a radio station. And so I kind of put his clips in my workout playlist. Um, but he really calls you out. He, um, he t- works a lot with athletic teams. Um, but what I've been listening to the, probably the last month, I get on kicks and then once I feel like I'm off of it, then I move on. So the last month, it's what you are to be, you are becoming now. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about everything you do today is what you're going to be in 10 years, what you're going to be in mm-hmm. five years. And so not no opportunity wasted. So every day what you're doing is what you're becoming. And so he talks about drawing this line. And so this is now all in my mirror. So my bathroom mirror is usually covered up with stuff because I'm like, oh, that's good. I got to be able to see this every morning before I go to work. So I have a big line down my mirror on my bathroom wall. And every decision or habit that's bad for that day, you rot below the line. Hmm. And every decision or habit or person, I mean, he even talks about the people in your life. So um, that encouraged you or pushed you to be mm-hmm. better than you right above the line. And so 
he talks about over time, you need to have less things below the line mm. than you have above That's the line. That's really cool. And so, um, so Eric Thomas is really part of my morning playlist um, for my personal growth and really pushing me. He also, which I've been thinking a lot about lately too, he talks about how you take on every day. He said, so you get up and you're ready to take on every day and you're just like this machine gun, you're just going to fire away. And he talks about, and he Talk, had gun related but he's like do you have a scope on your gun like are mm. you intentional in your day and how are you doing this and so I've been really trying to think through that in my day and how I'm growing every day and becoming a better person um so that's been interesting so and then there's another podcast I listen to I think it's called like badass motivational speaking and it's a lot it's like your top speakers and so it's a lot of different people cool and um, and one of the ones I listened to last week that I'm still thinking about and processing is um, motivation is the byproduct of action, not the cause of action, mm. which was kind of an aha moment for me because, and you think about it, it's true. I'm not motivated in the morning to get up. But after I get up and work out, then I'm motivated. Right. And so it just was a, I don't know, it was a light bulb for me on action is what motivates you. So if you're waiting around to be motivated to have action, you're missing the boat. Mm -hmm. If you get up and you do something, you will be motivated to do more. Right. That's really good. I've never heard it put that way, but it makes makes a ton of sense. I, I would rather not run more often than I would run, right. that I want right. to run, right? right? But by running, you end up running more. Does right. that make sense? Exactly. Well, and you never get up and work out and think, man, I shouldn't have done that. Right. right? right. Like, why is it still hard right. to get up every morning? Like right. every morning, I'm like, God, why do I get yeah. up? You know, this morning, I did not want to get up. But then I, you get up and you're not, Right. You're never like, oh, that was a bad choice. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> right. It's, it's these daily habits, these, these daily disciplines, these daily deposits actually are the thing that end up actually propelling you forward and creating success. Right. And routine is your strength is your routine. Yeah. Have you read Atomic Habits yet? Uh Uh-uh. So it's something you'd probably really enjoy listening to. Um, It's a great audio book, but it it talks about a lot of these things you're sharing Mm -hmm. and and, uh, it's really powerful in terms of just how to create habits. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's nothing like most of us think in terms of creating habits. Right. And so I think you would really, really enjoy that. Well, and it's, you know, the, I pick these and I have them in my playlist and listen over and over because I think if you just do it, if you just listen once and you don't listen over, like I need it over and over. I need to re- mm. remind myself and continue to yeah. challenge myself on those thought processes. That's good. Um, so, and then the other one like, that I'm listening to, it's called Abraham Thinking. I have no idea who it is or where it's coming from, <laughs> but, it, and it's the weird voices, but they talk about this law of attraction. So what you are thinking, you then speak and then you act. And so it talks so much about your thoughts and kind of like birds of a feather flock together. But this whole, like, it's so much of what you think is what you put out and mm. are you controlled in what your thoughts are? Mm. So um, 
So anyway, that's kind of where yeah. I no, am right now good. in my personal growth. That's good. You so, can come look at my bathroom yeah, mirror. You can yeah. figure out everything. Well, everywhere I'm struggling <laughs> that I'm trying to be better is pretty much on my when, bathroom mirror. When you said that, I thought, ma'am, I'd run out of bathroom mirror on the bottom, you know, if I listed every single mistake I make in a day. So I probably shouldn't start that practice. You've worked with uh, Dr. Mitchell for a long time, right? Because he was at the Health Science Center. You were with right. him there, and then you mm-hmm. moved to the chancellor office. What, what would you uh, – and I was saying earlier how much I enjoyed having him mm-hmm. on our podcast – what what would you say are, are a couple of like distinguishing marks of his leadership that you believe make him so effective? Wow, he connects. Just like, like relationally yeah, with people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can totally um, sits down with uh, anyone at any time and listens and is engaged and really cares about people. Um, he's a, you know, obviously if I'm choosing to spend – my career, you know, working for someone, I don't want him to be an asshole. So right. <laughs> I, I like working for Dr. Mitchell. So um, he, yeah, he's just a, um, he's a well-spoken, he's well-read, he's, but then he's just so humble and kind. Um, you know, and he probably, he does not like to be bragged on, so he probably, he would, probably won't be listening to this yeah. podcast. Anymore, <laughs> yeah, so. telling me he can't, can't listen. <laughs> Um, but very early in um, working for him when I knew, hey, this is a leader, this is someone that I want to, um, you know, work for, was, you know, when you travel, the way he treats the wait staff at the restaurants. I can't even tell you how many people walk away and then they see, like, his tip or the note that he's left and they come back and so nice and give him a mm. hug. I am not that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do tip well, but sure. I'm usually, like – onto something putting my you know writing down my notes onto the next thing thing. and he does make every person um Mm -hmm. you know so I I think it's very um yeah I think it's an admiral admiral qualities yeah seems to be really fitting for a role he has again just so many stakeholders Mm -hmm. alumni uh you know government officials, students, professors, all different backgrounds, different, I mean, it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and you know, that's what, it's so cool, and if I I sit back and think where I am and what I get to experience with it, because you have Dr. Mitchell, who obviously is awesome, um, but then you have Dr. Skuvenek, Mm -hmm. who in himself, completely different leader, but is... God, he's so cool and yeah. so great. And then you have Dr. Ross Spearman, our first female president in the mm. Texas Tech system. And her leadership skills are like so fine-tuned mm. and honed in, also completely different than awesome. the other two guys. And then we've just hired um, a lieutenant gen- general of the Air Force, retired General Hawkins at ASU, first African-American president for ASU. Um, So it's just like, I just can't learn enough Enough, from these people. Yeah, Yeah, I just can't take it in fast enough um, because they're all so unique separately in their leadership, which is a cool thing to witness because they're all amazing leaders and they're all really, really different. So there's mm. not a cookie cutter way to I'd be like a leader. I'd like to volunteer to be your assistant for a week. You I, should. I, unpaid, and we no have paid. so much fun. <laughs> that, you know, that's what's so awesome about them is that, you know, yeah, it's a very big job. All of them have a huge jobs. Our system, across the system, it's a $2.2 billion um, company or business, yeah, you right. know. We have 
57,000 students across the system, 19,000 employees. So it's such a huge thing. But then they always also have so much fun. Mm. Like we, there's not one single meeting, maybe some if it's real intense, especially the pandemic. But I would say 80% of the time um, oh. that we don't laugh and we don't um, have a really, really That's good time. Cool. And then you throw Kirby in there as the athletic director and what a – Crazy cool yeah. leader he Great is. Leader. I mean, his ability, and this is what I've learned from Kirby, his ability, I mean, the th- stuff he deals with is kind and personalities and people, and it's just a lot. Um, his ability to listen and to stay calm and not get worked up, but then when he talks, be, he's very clear in what he says. Um that's one thing that I've, I've, you know, in my, I'm like, okay, that's, that's what Kirby does well that yeah. I want to do. Yeah, and then Skuvenek is so sincere. He reads every freaking email people send him mm. and he tries to respond. And some of them aren't, <laughs> shouldn't be responding. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, and he wants to, like, he wants to respond to everyone and he, like his sincerity and his, mm like true just wanting to do the right thing is so impressive and then you go to dr ross spearman her ability to make hard decisions and follow through with them and be clear in what those decisions are are um yeah it's just like i'm living a leadership podcast every day (laughs) that's great that's why i want to become your assistant Uh, you can it's so i could just absorb it and we have a blast that's awesome uh, this, is, this has been really good. My last question for you yes. is probably my favorite, which is if you could go back 20, 30 years, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? To read more. Read more? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I did not read enough, still do not read enough. It is an area that I've got a challenge. Um, knowledge is power, and I'm not talking about what you learn in a classroom or in a textbook. But I'm always, like, for instance, we were in a <clears throat> meeting the other day, and um, Dr. Skuvenek said he had just finished reading teams, Team of Rivals mm. and everything he learned from it. I was like, okay, that's great. I'm going to put this on my list. I Amazoned it, and I texted him a picture of him. I'm like, good grief, this is going to take me two years to read this freaking <laughs> book. <laughs> and he probably read it in a weekend. Um, but I do, like, watching Dr. Skuvenek and watching Dr. Mitchell and listening to their conversations, so much of what they reflect on and how they um, think comes from books. Mm. It's, it's something that I'm very – I fall very short on. Um, so that's what I'm working on right now. I'd much rather listen to a book, but I make myself at least have two books that's going cool. at one time. Yeah, so. I, my wife is a reader. I think in 2020 she read like 137 oh, books. I probably haven't done that in my life. I know, me too. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like I'm like if I read 12, I listen to a lot of stuff. So like all mm-hmm. my long runs are audiobooks. So, I mean, I, I, if audiobooks I count, I'm, I'm kind of in, agree. In, in good place. But reading, there is something really powerful, though, about mm-hmm. the, the, the tangible touching and feeling and underlining and thinking and going slower. And so I can, I can resonate with that, that a lot. Well, thanks for all your time. Oh, really, you're really generous of you. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And uh, thanks. I didn't say anything too bad. No, no, no. Nothing too inappropriate. You're not going to bleep me out. (laughs) Really simple podcast for Hunter to uh, edit. So thanks for being on. Okay. Thank you.